Good evening, everyone. Krishna's Janmashtami. It's the highlight of our, one of the highlights of our Vaishnav year. One of the Angas of Bhakti is to celebrate Krishna's appearance. So, Krishna appeared some 5,000 years ago, and his appearance was twofold. There was, of course, his appearance in Leela as the cowherd of Brajbhumi and the prince of Mathura and Dwarka. And then he peer, appeared again in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam. And Srila Prabhupada writes about this appearance. Srimad Bhagavatam is a summum bonum of life. Lord Sri Krishna personified. We must therefore accept Srimad Bhagavatam as the direct representation of Lord Krishna. One who can see Srimad Bhagavatam can see Lord Sri Krishna in person. They are identical. We're all desiring uh, to someday enter into Krishna's manifest pastimes and his unmanifest pastimes. That's our aspiration. But from a circumstantial viewpoint, the second appearance is really more significant to our spiritual lives at this time. In Srila Prabhupada's dedication verse to the first canto, first volume of Srimad Bhagavatam, these were a verse in the middle of a page uh, at the beginning of each book. So the one that was at the beginning of the very beginning of his Srimad Bhagavatam was Krishneswa Dhamo Pagate Dharma Jana Dibi Saha Kalo Nasta Drisam Esa Puranarko Dunodita. This Bhagavat Purana is brilliant as the sun. It has arisen just after the departure of Lord Krishna for his own abode. Accompanied by religion, knowledge, etc., persons who have lost their vision due to the dense darkness of ignorance in the age of Kali shall get light from this Purana. To understand the significance of Srimad Bhagavatam, this evening we're going to look at the Srimad Bhagavatam through the lens of Srila Rupa Goswami's Sandarbhas. Um, as I'm sure you all know, we're discussing the Sandarbhas here at the request of uh, Guru Maharaj. And I just want to, to highlight the significance of this manifestation of the Supreme Lord through the lens of Jiva Goswami. Now, Sagrahi is the name of our community, so it means essence seekers. So Guru Maharaj envisioned this community being a group of people that sought the essence. It's interesting, the name Samdarva means what? It means to bring out the essence. To understand the nature of the Bhagavat Purana, I wanted to quote one thing that Srila Jiva Goswami wrote in a commentary to a verse 
regarding hearing Krishna Katha of Srila Rupa Goswami. This is in the Yungas of Bhakti section of the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Jiva Goswami wrote there in his commentary, the profuse rivers of pastimes of Krishna transformed into the sound or words and emanating from the devotees' mouths in an assembly of devotees flow everywhere. He goes on to say, the sentence suggests that the pastimes have spontaneously turned themselves into words with their proper meanings since they flow like rivers. So the Satsandarbhas or the Bhagavat Sandarbhas are specifically presented by Srila Jiva Goswami as a way for us to enter in to the inner meaning of the Bhagavat Purana. Now Jiva Goswami is uniquely situated to do this for us. Uh, in taking shelter of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was personally put by Sri Chaitanya under the guidance of Swarup Damodar. Imagine that benediction. And later, of course, he took shelter of his older uncles in Vrindavan. So, and he was younger than all these other devotees for the most part. So he took toolage, he took instruction from the best instructors. And although he, he does give some considerable credit at the beginning of each of the presentations of the Sundarbhas to Gopal Bhattago Swami saying that oh, really I've just taken the notes of Gopal Bhatta and arranged them a little bit. But so much more credit can also be given to him, although he's acting, giving us some sense of his humility. What we're going to discuss tonight is Shujiva Goswami's approach to the Bhagavat Purana. And it's very unique. Shujiva Goswami wants to, especially in the Tattva Sandarbha, the beginning Sandarbha, which gives like an overview of the whole, the whole work. And what he wants to wants us to enter into is a realization of the fact that the significance of the Bhagavat Purana is that it is based on spiritual revelation. That the Bhagavat Purana is truly the revelation of Srila Vyas, of Sukadev Goswami, and of all the speakers in the Bhagavatam. They all had personal revelation. That to him is the significance of spiritual life. It's not just an intellectual affair. It's not just a, a moralistic affair. It's, it has nothing to do with artha, dharma, karma, moksha. It's far, far above that. I want to take you into the text by first placing you in the 
theistic and the philosophical day of Srila Jiva Goswami. Now, in every culture, there's going to be some philosophy and some theology, but of course we can see, and probably even modern scholars would agree, that the philosophy and the theology that's come from the East far exceeds what we see in the West. But still, if we look closely, we'll find even in what we have as far as Western philosophy and theology grew out of what we attribute to the East. But this is not a class of East or West. But I want to put ourselves in a consciousness of what was what was going on in the day of Srila Jiva Goswami. Besides the fact of his extraordinary good fortune to have Sri Chaitanya's personal association, his good fortune of having the association of of basically the synthesis of everything that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu delivered. He, he instructed Sanatan Goswami, instructed Srila Rupa Goswami, Gopal Bhatta Goswami, and they were all considered specific gurus in a sense or the prime exponents of a specific aspect of devotional life like Sanatan Goswami is the guru of Sambandagyan and Rupa Goswami uh, Abhideya and Raghunath Das Goswami um, Prayojan now the Sandarvas they deal with all these things. The first four Sandarvas deal with Sambandagyan. Then a whole Sandarva, the Bhakti Sandarva, deals with Abhideya. And then the Priti Sandarva deals with Prayojan. So, the consciousness of the day prevalent in the West I'm sorry, in the East at the time of Jiva, there were various wisdom schools. And those are referred to as as darshans. And they fell into two basic categories. One set accepted the Vedas, um, referred to as astika, those darshans, those wisdom schools. And the other was heterodox. They did not accept the Vedas, they were more logic and reason and other approaches to theology and philosophy. So the six orthodox schools, I'll just put it out there so you can know what they were. Um, the Nyaya, the school of logic and reasoning, reasoning Vaisheshika, um, naturalism, uh, with some... Uh, autonomistic themes uh, like our modern scientists think. Uh, Sankhya, uh, Yoga, Mimamsa, and Vedanta. Now of those schools, <coughs> we adhere, our Sampradaya adheres to the <coughs> Vedanta. 
Some of the heterodox schools, those that do not follow the Vedas, the Jains, the Buddhists, Charvaka, um, so for the Vedantic Vaishnav Sampradayas, there was a consensus as to the core Vedic literatures, remember the heterodox schools accept the Vedas, so there was some core acceptance in the theistic branch. Um, that put an emphasis on, where is it here, Prastana Trai, Bhagavad Gita, the ten major Upanishads, and the Vedanta Sutra. So, if you were to try to enter into an understanding of spirituality and present that spirituality spirituality in the in that culture of that day then you would have to base it to be accepted in that culture in those in those three items those 10 major upanishads the bhagavad gita and the vedanta sutra but of course there was the bhagavad purana and if we look at the Bhagavad Purana, Sri Balavacharya was the first to add that. Acceptance of the Bhagavad uh, to the Pristana Trai. But Jiva Goswami took it one step further. And he wrote in the seventh Anucheda, an Anucheda is a section. So if we look at the Sandarbhas, all the it's, they're all divided into sections where Srila Jiva Goswami presents some theistic point. And he presents hundreds of these theistic points to the end of drawing us into a firm understanding of what really is there for us in the Bhagavad Purana. So he writes there, so it is that we shall focus our investigation exclusively on Srimad Bhagavatam to determine, free from any inconsistency between preceding and following statements, the ultimate value for human beings. So we'll begin here, and I'm going to read to you the seed anucheda of Srila Jiva Goswami Sandarbhas goes as follows. In one feature, Sri Krishna exists as pure consciousness without any manifest characteristics and is referred to as Brahman in some portions of the Vedas. In another feature, he expands as the Purusha who regulates the extrinsic potency, Maya, by his many plenary portions. In yet another of his principal forms, he is Narayan, resplendent in the spiritual sky, Vaikuntha. May that Sri Krishna, the original complete absolute truth, Swayam Bhagavan, bestow love for himself on those who worship his lotus feet in this world. Then he comments 
as follows. Sri Krishna is the subject, Visaya, of this book, meaning his son Darvas. The book's relation, Sambanda, to him is that of a signifier to the signified. I'm sorry, he's talking about the Bhagavat Purana here. Sri Krishna is the subject, Visaya, of the book, and the book's relation, Sambanda, to him is that of signifier. Devotional turning of all facilities to him, Bhajan, is what is meant to be enacted in all circumstances also known as Abhideya. An unconditional love for him is the ultimate completion of such devotional turning, Prayojan. Now, in order to investigate these four topics, we should first determine a means of valid knowing. So this is where Jiva Goswami begins. We all want, well, for the most part, in the human form of life, Tato Brahma Jignasa, now let us find out what we're about. So if we're really at the human level in the human form of life, we can say like that. There's other people that have been given a, the opportunity of a human form of life, but they they just they're just living life. They don't have any any desire to explore the nature of their self. They never get there. Human life consumes them. But Srila Jiva Goswami provided the Sundarbhas for those that are inquisitive as to the nature of their being and as to the nature of the spiritual realm, as, as to the supreme no matter what the approach, varanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yajnam advayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti sabjate. There's different transcendentalists. They have a different approach to spiritual revelation. They have a, a different objective in their exploration of transcendence. What Jiva Goswami is giving to human society is, a, is the ideal of spiritual inquiry. And he's basing his ideal on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, naturally, one would ask, who is spiritually inquisitive? Where can I put my faith? What knowledge is the proper knowledge and what knowledge is just improper, just speculative? Jiva starts out, well, we have to start out with, let's look at ourselves. It's pretty simple. Let's look at the facilities we have to make valid inquiry into the nature of our being. If we can understand the nature of our being, maybe we can go on beyond that and understand the nature of Spiritual, spiritual being, no matter what our objective may be. So we all want truth. Where do we begin? Well, he begins by saying, let me tell you where you can't begin. You can't begin with the facilities that you have. Your, hum your human life 
give affords you no opportunity. Why? You got senses, but they're not perfect. They work within a certain range, and well, your sense perception and my sense perception may not be the same. So because our senses are imperfect, we're illusioned. Sometimes we're accepting it as a rope and sometimes as a snake. And therefore, we make mistakes. Imperfect senses can be illusioned. We make mistakes. But what's most critical for us is this, as our spiritual master called it, tendency to cheat. It's a misrepresentational bias. It's a material samskara accumulated since time immemorial. We walk in without some assistance. We will look at every situation with a representational bias. Just think about it. If we look at the way we approach something, it always is from our point of view, developed from our past experiences and the conclusions that we've arrived at with our own limited facilities. So Jiva Goswami says, let's just set aside that stuff. You have to see yourself for who you are, and who you are does not afford you the opportunity for perfect knowledge. So you have to look elsewhere. Where do you look? Again, we go to the culture of Jiva Goswami. We go to the Veda. So we have Vedic knowledge. What is the nature of Vedic knowledge? Subda Brahman. What is its nature? It's not of human origin. So these four defects don't, have, don't touch it. It's perfect. The Tattvasandarbha begins with, a, with a, a, an extended analysis of the Vedic knowledge. And it's an interesting read. So if time allows, read. Because what it'll show you, the conclusion of it, and I'm just trying to enthuse you to enter into these, you know, this great literature, which is Krishna incarnate. And he's more ready, readily available for us there. And Jiva's taken the essence of that Bhagavat Purana, and he said, now let's look at this systematically. How systematically did we take the Bhagavat Purana and arrive at the flawless understanding of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. Let me give you a road map. Now, it's a very wide road. The Bhagavat Purana is as unlimited as Krishna himself. But it's a good place to start because of the dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Jiva's approach is unique because what he brings out in the beginning of his Sandarbhas, in the very beginning in Tattva Sandarbha, after he's convinced us that we have to rely 
on the Bhagavat Purana, he says, well, what's really the significance of Bhagavat Purana? And what he relays there is the significance of Bhagavat Purana is it is born from revelation. It is born from a place well beyond the four defects. It's born from a place where its author had already presented to human society the four Vedas and the Mahabharat and the Itihashas and the Puranas and the Vedanta Sutra and still he wasn't satisfied and he was the Supreme Lord himself and not just any Vyas he was actually an incarnation of Narayan who came in this specific and then we get to the, the magnificent circumstance of this specific Manvantara that we're currently in. Krishna appeared himself. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam himself. And Lord Chaitanya in the same day, at the same Manvantara, at the same time, and then to give us this other manifestation of Krishna, the Bhagavat Purana, Krishna Dvaipayana Vyas manifested. And there's a different Vyas in every Manvantara. Uh, two Manvantaras before this one, Parasara was the Vyas. And our Vyas is the son of Parasara. Sarva Samvadini is Jiva Goswami's commentary on his Sandarbhas. So not only did he give us the Sandarbhas, he made commentary on his own Sandarbhas. And he writes there, although there are ten means of acquiring knowledge, Sabda, which is of the nature of a authoritative speech is primary because it is free of the four human defects. All other means are prone to the four human defects and are thus observed to be unreliable. For this reason, an ordinary person is unable to determine whether or not the knowledge gained through them is valid due to the absence of ultimate validity of those means. So he had listed in his commentary the ten ways of acquiring knowledge. He, he basically took the ten and, and took it down to three, those three being um, pratyaksha, sensory perception, and uh, inference from what we know we can infer some other knowledge, and sabda. He said the other seven we can you can actually see that they're they're in the these three. Um, 
And I just wanted to show you, just take a little detour here and share with you some information which I think you'll find quite amazing. So we know that uh, Sri Vyasadeva gave us the Veda. He divided it into four. After that division, uh, it was further divided by the sages into... 1130 branches within within each of those four. So we have some 4,520 titles, which is the overall Vedas. And this is the thing I thought that you would find interesting. By the influence of time, time, it's only 5,000 years, but by the influence of time, only about 11 Samhitas, 18 Brahmanas, and 7 Aranyakas, and 220 Upanishads are currently available. So of the original Veda, there's only 6% left. <laughs> so it's an interesting factoid. So the Itihasas and the Puranas are easier to apprehend, easier to understand. They're re- written in in uh, in spoken Sanskrit, so they're they're easier for us. And the word Purana itself means to complete. So the knowledge of the Vedas is completed by an underst- of the Puranic offerings. Jiva Goswami goes to some great lengths to show that, as I said, the Bhagavat Purana is the topmost. Uh, all the other Puranas actually point to the Bhagavat Purana as being the spotless Purana. But what I want to discuss with a little bit is the nature of this Sandarbha approach. So Jiva Goswami writes, So it shall be So it is that we shall focus out our investigation specifically on Srimad Bhagavatam to determine, free of any inconsistently between preceding and following statements, the ultimate value for human beings. In these six Sandarbhas, the statements with which we introduce our explanation of the Bhagavatam verses will serve as the sutras. So the Bhagavatam verses and the Sandarbhas are the sutras. (laughs) What's that mean in our looking at the presentation? That they're faultless. There's nothing to be said. They are the light. They are Krishna himself. They have so much potency. Every syllable of these are, as Jiva Goswami said, they're like sutras. So what he's going to do is he's going to comment on these sutras and he's going to draw out a particular meaning in order to establish Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appreciation and what should be our, the guidance that we can draw from the essence of these Puranic statements that he's going to use as evidence. His evidence is, is directed towards what? Giving us a full understanding of Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojan. So he says, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide this spotless pronouncement that we can see in the Bhagavat Purana 
and I'm going to give you my opinion. And then I'm going to substantiate my opinion. And he, go, he says, and the primary substantiation for the opinions that I'm going to give you is going to be based on the commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam by Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on the Bhagavatam. And then he even, he even goes one step further. He says, sometimes, referring to Sridhar Swami, he inserted, inserted radical non-dualism, Advaitavad, uh, the philosophy of Sankaracharya, um, in this presentation of the Sandarbhas, this term radical non-dualism is used to um, as the nomenclature applied to the interpretation of the Vedas that, Vedas that Sankaracharya came up with. So, he says that sometimes Sridhar Swami, he wrote statements in the in his commentary that supported that understanding, apparently. So, he inserted this, these, these in his commentaries to immerse the non-theist who are not quite, who are now quite prevalent, that means in his time, especially in central India, in the glories of the personal absolute Bhagavan. He goes on to tell us, where Sridhar Swami's commentary accords with the conclusions of pure Vaishnavism, we shall quote it verbatim. And where he caters to the, and basically he's saying here, and where Sridhar's commentary gives us Sankara's opinion, just we should see it for what it is. It's bait that he's laid within his commentary to draw in those followers of the, con, of the conception of Advaita Vod. We're not going to bother quoting that here. But how much deference they give to Sridhar Swami's commentary on the Bhagavatam comes out. Now what we find as we begin to study this in Darbas is there's a lot of reliance on Sridhar commentary on the Bhagavatam to support the, the points that Jiva Goswami is making. But there's also other Shastras that he uses to support his points. So basically the Sandarbhas are simply a presentation of specific Bhagavatam verses to bring out the essence of the Bhagavatam, which is what a Sandarbha does. It brings out the essence of a literature. And Jiva Goswami is going to comment on that. He's going to unpack the verse to, in a specific way. And I'm going to give you one example before we stop here tonight. I mean, we could go on for hours. This is a great subject, but I won't keep you that long. But I'll give you an example of how the unpacking goes by quoting one verse. And then he's going to substantiate what he says. So this is the praman, the way he produces the evidence to support the points. Beginning of Tatva, Sandarbha deals primarily with epistemology, 
What can we depend on for truth? Let's let us us inquire into the nature of truth. And all kinds of evidence is given when it comes down to it. When you look at everything, the truth is Srimad Bhagavatam. It's spotless, it's perfect in every way. If you want to know the nature of being, if you want to know the nature of the Supreme, and if you want to know how to have the highest spiritual revelation, it's all in the Bhagavatam for you. And a lot of emphasis is given in the beginning of the Tattvasandarva to the realization of Srila Sukadev Goswami and Srila Vyasadeva, that it's not the reason the Bhagavatam is so significant is that it is the Supreme Lord himself. It is. And why is it? Where did it come from? So I'll read another Anucheta, where he speaks about Sukadev's revelation. He says, I offer my respectful obeisances unto Srila Vyasadeva's son, Sri Sukha, who destroys all sins. Although his consciousness was completely filled with the bliss of self-realization, and though he had consequently cast off all other feelings and thoughts, his essence... Sara, was irresistibly drawn to the beautiful pastimes of Lord Ajita, Ajita, Krishna. Out of compassion, he thus delineated this Purana, which illuminates reality. Imagine, you have finally, in your pursuit of truth, gone to the penultimate state of what can be attained of your own volition. Imagine you see the world around you, you see and understand through that observation how it's working, and it's not enough for you. You want something more. You want to know who you are in essence. So you embark upon, as far as you can, a practice whereby you can become fully conscious or realized of your true self. That's Sukadev Goswami. He's made it. He's fully a Jivan Mukta. He's fully liberated from from material existence. So much so that his state of being is considered to be walking samadhi. Imagine nothing. Now we are aware of, we have states of consciousness. We have wakefulness. We have sleeping. We have deep sleep. But Jiva, I mean, Sukadev Goswami, he's reached the state of walking samadhi. He's not affected at all by anything of the modes of material nature. But still, the Bhagavat Purana was able to attract him. 
So this is one of the evidences of the significance of the Bhagavat Purana that Jiva Goswami points to. And he also points to, more profoundly, the revelation of Srila Vyasadeva himself, the author. Here's Srila Vyasadeva. He's, he's been charged with, he is the Vyas of the age, this time of Manu, and he provides, and he does his service at the beginning of a Kali Yuga of writing everything down, knowing the, the circle of mankind. So aware of that, he writes it down, and he's not satisfied. And his spiritual master tells him what? Well, why don't you think about it? Why aren't you satisfied? And he, of course, gives him a clue. You've written the Vedas, you've done all this, but what have you provided to humanity? Artha, Dharma, Kama, Moksha. It's not enough. Uh, so, I can't find the exact verse here, but you're familiar with the pastime. It's not enough. Think about it. Think about it deeply. So he did. He thought about it so deeply that what happened? He himself entered into samadhi. And in his samadhi, he saw he had darshan with the Supreme Lord. And in that, in that revel, revelation, he also saw the Lord's various potencies, all of his energies. It was a comp- comprehensive revelation. And he also saw what was the plight of the human beings, their predicament. And in seeing that, he realized, this is what my spiritual master means. I have to provide, I have to rewrite the Bhagavat Purana. I have to represent, represent it in such a way that it will provide a turning of consciousness away from the goals which I've delineated in the other Vedas of Artha, Dhamma, Kama, and Moksha and turn the consciousness towards the Supreme Lord himself, Bhagavan. So therefore he represented it. And there's a lot of evidence in the Tattvas and Dharva as to how significant that revelation was, how important that was. That it's, as I said, not just an academic affair. So if there's anything I'd like to provide you with this evening is it would be that you continue to strive for the essence, because we're essence seekers here, that you would continue to strive for the essence and that you realize the significance of what we've been given in the form of the Bhagavatam. And that you also, in addition to the other angas of bhakti that are filling your life with Krishna's presence, you also take shelter as much as you can in what's coming 
from the Bhagavat Purana. It's amrita. It's 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 nectar. Anytime the environment seems a little oppressive, over impressive, super over <laughs> oppressive, pull out the Bhagavatam. Of course, you could also pull out your beads, but sometimes the beads still allow the mind to take you places that you don't want to go. But if you enter into the leelas of the Bhagavatam, sometimes they can help us control our mind as we're going through the beginning stages of our spiritual life. So I said we'd share with you one anucheta to give you some entrance into what Jiva Goswami pulls off in the Sandarbhas. And John Mastami is a perfect time for this. If we can understand the nature of Krishna's birth and appearance and the nature of, of what Krishna's, you know, all about. So what I wanted to give you is I wanted to give you a verse uh, to, lead, to end with this evening from the Paramatma Sandarbha. This is near the end of the Paramatma Sandarbha. And what did this deals with, what it shows us is an amazing characteristic of the Supreme Lord's material manifestation. So I'll just read it and we can see what Jiva says. He says there, when the Supreme Self desires to create bodies for himself, then from out of the elite, I'm sorry, equilibrated state of the three gunas, he separately brings forth rajas by his maya potency, then Asvara wishes to sport in these manifold, manifold forms. He manifests sattva, and when on the verge of going to sleep, he impels Thomas. This is the verse from the Bhagavatam. It's a simple verse. It's about how the Supreme Self creates a material universe. And this is what Jiva Goswami draws from this Bhagavatam verse. The compound, Swamayaya, by his Maya, in this case means out of compassion for his devotees. Then he goes on to say, the bodies that he desires to create refers to the physical forms of the not yet perfected practicing devotees, sadikas, from the previous cycle of creation. That he desires to create such forms for himself means that he longs to make them the seats of his own abiding. Since the practicing devotees were dissolved in him along with Prakriti during the period of dissolution, he glances at Prakriti in order to bring about their appearance. This has been accepted by Sridhar Swami. Also in his commentary on the third chapter of the 11th canto, Sridhar Swami says there, 
For what purpose did he create? The verse answers, for the complete fulfillment of the individual self whose worships selves who worship him. For the complete fulfillment of the self who is so inclined. Bhavartha Dipika. That's the name of Sridhar Swami's commentary on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, from that verse, I didn't see that there. <laughs> I couldn't have arrived at that conclusion. But this is the conclusion that Jiva Goswami, these, now this is just one verse, one Anucheda, one little section of his Sandarbhas. Sat Sandarbhas, there's six of them. Four dealing with Sambanda, one dealing with Abhideya, and one dealing with Prayojan. So he's showing in this one Anucheda, really, the Lord manifests the material creation for devotees. That's the purpose. They didn't finish up. Maybe we'd call them left behinds. <laughs> but, you know, it was the cycle of the universal manifestation came and went. And they hadn't yet perfected themselves, those sadikas. So he thought, well, my devotees, <laughs> I have to perfect them. I'm going to have to manifest the material universe all over again. So people may say the Lord manifests creation for this purpose or that purpose, but now you know why he really manifested the creation. And how powerful is Bhagavatam? I'll end with this. As soon as a person, free of offenses, Kritibi, simply wishes to hear the Bhagavatam, the absolute reality becomes manifest within his heart immediately. Even if you can't read it, hope that you always could be reading it. Are there any questions? I have a question. And if you don't think it's related, it's okay. Um, when you're talking about Sukadev Goswami being at the penultimate state, I think I remember a recent class in Poland that Gurmaraj came where he might have been talking about and showing how I didn't really hear it. Um, <laughs> Sukadev Goswami wasn't at the penultimate state until after starting to speak the Bhagavatam. That he was more like a jnani, mm -hmm. like, you know, detached. From our world. perspective, he was at the state of Jivan Mukta. He was realized in the Brahman aspect or the undifferentiated aspect of the Supreme Lord. So he was what we call a, a Brahmavadi. His objective was to enter into Brahman because he was a jnani from that perspective or a yogi or whatever the discipline was that got him to that stage where he could say, well, I'm not coming out until I have some assurances here because I don't want to get wrapped up in Maya. We have no interest in Brahman. We see that as an impediment, as not an accomplishment of spiritual life. But there are transcendental seekers who, who have that as their main objective. And 
that's what's available without the descent of Krishna's transcendental energy, his sarup shakti. It's as far as you can go on your own for non-realization. Well, you can't really, unfortunately, but it's a you need a touch of bhakti even to get there, as is, as pointed out. Bhakti blesses everything ultimately. So even for Brahman realization, we need a touch of bhakti. But for us, no better than the water in the hoofprint of a calf as compared to the ocean of transcendental bliss to be had from associating uh, with Krishna's personal form. Yes, sir. Just to be clear, what you're saying is the Mahavishnu manifests the material world because Krishna wants his devotees to come back to him, not for any other reason. Yeah, that's what Jiva said. I'm not saying. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would never pull that out of the verse that was used by Jiva Goswami, but that's what he's telling us. Yes, sir. I think I remember here in that same talk that Mahamantra is referring to. Uh huh. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the question was, um, Shukadev was uh, Jivan Mukta and not yet a Bhakta when he began to speak the Bhagavatam. So, so I feel like the what I remember is the question was, how is he qualified to speak the Bhagavatam if he was just a Jivan Mukta? Is that? Yeah, and I think the response, I don't yeah, know, I but can't then he the started speaking it and the right. qualifications came. Okay. Mm. That's interesting. That I didn't hear it, unfortunately, but uh, it's interesting because if we look to, and this is brought out by Jiva Goswami also, if you look to the revelation of Vyas and uh, truly he had a revelation and that's what prompted him to represent the Bhagavad Purana for our benefit uh, focusing on a complete turning of consciousness to the Supreme and there it's mentioned that a speaker of the Bhagavad Purana has to has to also enter into the text and has to be on that level to have a full faith in and comprehensive understanding of the text so that he can re- relate it to the audience. So when that revelation came specifically to Sukadev Goswami, it seems like Guru Maharaj was saying it came as he began the service. but. It does. There has to be a, a a melting, a melting of the heart, basically, of the speaker, with the heart of the text, with the heart of the author. So, that's the adva- That's really what Jiva Goswami is pointing to: is that the author of the Bhagavat Purana, Vyas, and the speaker, they w- there was a melting of the of the full understanding 
but still there was something more to be added from Sukadev's perspective. That's what Maharaj said, that Sukadev is the person who we point to as being perfected through kirtan. Mm. <laughs> so he wasn't perfected from our perspective of being a bhakta. He was perfected in... Uh, so hearing, in law, hearing alone was not enough right. to, to, to render the perfection, but hearing and chanting. Hearing right. was there, but it really, the perfection came when he repeated, when he chanted. Right. And then, uh, and his gurus, uh, Vyasadeva, and then his guru, Narda, were even in the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. Yeah. And like he said, they had, they considered, or Guru says that they considered within themselves Let's see what he has to add to this. Yeah. We've heard it before, we've spoken it before, but let's see what he adds. Right. And that's also what we find in something like Jiva Goswami. What's he have to add? Right. And we can see, wow, he's adding some pretty far out realizations here. <laughs> I would never pull that from this Bhagavatam verse. From his realization, from his good Sangha. And I thank you for your good Sangha. Thank you. Thank you.